Was your father a good role model? And did you have any other father figures in your life that helped to fill in the gaps that your father didn't fill? And what we tend to forget is that there's really been a select few who sit at the top, who have driven a very narrow and corrupted ideal of what the patriarch. What we're doing is we're taking that masculine energy of getting things done and doing more and blending it with a feminine energy of becoming more. This combination gives us a revitalized ideal of the patriarch as one who seeks connection over being right through collaboration, asking questions, and engagement. Now, 20 plus years into the new millennia, and men are more engaged at home than ever before. Resources to help men grasp a deeper understanding of manliness and masculinity in the form of men's work is no longer looked as a fringe idea, but a necessity for an everyday man. It's no longer a battle of feminism versus masculinity. It's a battle of the family and the marriage structure. You know, there isn't a day that doesn't go by where I don't think about my father. He was a quiet, stoic kind of man, but he lived with a fierceness in him. And he had a deep faith for he knew that through those lean years, that it was all that he could do to keep food on the table and a roof over our heads. Now, some of us may not have had great fathers as role models. And the thing is, as a father myself, I do question my ability to be a good role model for my boys. The other point is that the world needs fathers good fathers at the very least, who aspire to be the best dad that they can be. So on today's podcast, I want to talk about a case for fathers and why it's so important for us to build a case and fill that role as men so we can reshape fatherhood for the betterment of our families and our communities. Now, before I get into all that, just want to remind you to hit like, subscribe, and share on your favorite platform so you can stay updated on the latest content while helping me grow the Awakened Man message. And for that, I just want to say that I'm truly grateful. So let's get on with today's episode. The average man today is sleepwalking through life. Many never reaching their true potential, let alone ever crossing the finish line to living a purposeful life. Yet the hunger still exists, albeit buried amidst his cluttered mind, misguided beliefs and values that no longer serve him. It's time to align yourself for greatness. It's time to become a revolutionary man. Stay strong, my brother. Welcome to the Revolutionary Man podcast. I'm the founder of The Awakened Man and your host, Alan DeMonso. Was your father a good role model? And did you have any other father figures in your life that helped to fill in the gaps that your father didn't fill? You know, fatherhood is so important in the growth and development of children and for our society. Just listen to some of these stats about fatherless homes. Fatherless homes it can have the children in there are four times of greater risk of being in poverty. And 39% of students between K and 12 come from fatherless homes. And these same children will drop out of, out of school at a rate of twice as fast as those with fathers in the home. And girls in fatherless homes are seven times more likely to become mothers in their teens. They're more likely to in general, the kids are more likely to abuse drugs and alcohol, to face abuse and neglect, and to go on to commit crime and go to prison. It's no joke. There's a huge problem. And part of this issue is because of this rise and fall of the patriarchy model that we've all been led to believe is what is the problem for all of this. So let me explain a little bit about how the patriarchy model was developed and has come to be. You know, there's many different theories as to the history of the patriarchy. 
and the popular new age view at a time. There is a popular new age view of a time when the matriarch was the dominant belief and it existed, not but just isn't supported by any of the anthropologists. In actuality, what the anthropologists are finding is there's evidence that there is more of an egalitarian state before the advent of this obvious patriarchy. And it started somewhere between 5,000 and 6,000 years ago. You know, one theory has some credibility, and that is there was some significant climate changes leading to a widespread famine. And that did occur around this 6,000-year-ago mark. And it resulted in vast tracts of desert and wastelands that required men to take the lead in exploration, hunting, and warfare to safeguard and feed villages and communities. You know, this led to giving men a bit of political and social power as well when you come to think about it. However, it came about, whether you believe about the matriarchal idea or this, or this famine and the, and the outpouring of men having to go out and to provide and protect. However, that did come about. The patriarch, in its classical sense, is the really uh, the role of the father, Right, has dominated most of our civilization, whether that be the East, the West, or in the, cent- in the central part. And for the more or the most part of these past few thousand years, we've had these isolated political cases of political rule where females have certainly been in the lead role. And even though there were such, such women in the past, they were ruled over male, they, where they ruled really over male militaries and courts they were still being advised by male courtiers and commanders. So really there was no difference in terms of whether there was a female at the helm or if there was a male at the helm. And with this seeming success for survival came one other cultural phenomenon that really helped shape this patriarchal idea that we live in today. And that phenomenon is war. And has been a, in this particular cultural piece that has been used to train men and women to follow the rule of leaders and I really like how Robert Bly puts it. He says, the problem is that work. this is working all too well to shape young boys and girls into the type of men and women required by a society dominated by war. See, war requires soldiers. The challenge is it's not an inner warrior or an archetypal, archetypical warrior or a spiritual warrior, but soldiers, weapon-like, obedient to their handlers and unthinkingly, feelingly brutal to their victims. Now, the thing is, without these warriors, a free world wouldn't be where free as it is today, would it? How would much different would life be had the outcome of World War I and II changed? And here's the thing, is that we ultimately need men to go out and create and maintain this society. We do that. It's done because there needs to be some measure of force in order to keep peace because it creates stability. And, and all of that does fall on the shoulders of men. So that we fight for a version of freedom that we believe in. And what we tend to forget is that there's really been a select few who sit at the top, who have driven a very narrow and corrupted ideal of what the patriarch is all about. And this narrow ideal has patriarchy looking and acting like men being chauvinistic, oppressive, and at time, very immoral. This is the cause for the fall of the patriarch, which is a good thing because it creates, it allows us to create something better. And we must be willing to let go and destroy some old ideals in order for us to create something more vibrant and improved so that a new ideal can arise. So what am I calling for here? I'm calling for men to revisit men and women 
to revisit the rule of the father and how that can be expressed today. And one way that we can do that is that the con is to look at the concept of leadership. And I use leadership because in the end we evolve as a society through leadership and how that leadership is expressed is what makes it effective and supported or despised and unsupported. So similarly to the patriarchy, leadership can take many forms. It can be tyrannical in nature, or it can be more servant and observational in nature. Where a tyrannical leader resembles the old version of patriarchy, this sole overarching rule of law is by a committee of one with little to no thought about others. And this kind of leadership or patriarchy is short-lived though. Although when we live in it and when we're being in the middle of it, for sure, it doesn't seem like it's that, that it's taking a lot longer, don't, doesn't it? But if we approach the patriarchal model from a servant and observational leadership perspective, what we're doing is we're taking that masculine energy of getting things done and doing more and blending it with a feminine energy of becoming more. This combination gives us a revitalized ideal of the patriarch as one who seeks connection over being right through collaboration, asking questions, and engagement. And as men, we may not be the one, we may be the ones that initiate the conversation or state a desired goal, but it's how we get to that outcome that has to change. And we're willing to see our faults, analyze our beliefs and shift misguided perception. Only then are we able to create something far greater for the rule of the father. And because we expand on who we are as husbands, fathers, and leaders, so too do our families, our children, our spouses, and our communities. I want to touch on now and get a little bit further into fatherhood. You know, for centuries, fatherhood, fatherhood has developed from three core tenets, provide, preside, and to protect. And in some circles, the mere mention of these tenets sends visions of pain and suffering, and that can be real or imagined. And it shoots adrenaline through our veins. And like anything in life, things need to evolve patriarchy of the past where men ruled the home while the submissive housewife catered to his every need and where children were to be seen and not heard as a broken visage of the past, as I've discussed earlier. See, father has gone through a transformation. Since the Industrial Revolution and the two big wars, the role of fathers has shifted due to a lack of presence in the home. And many of those roles that once were fell, shared are now have now fallen upon the mother to take on. And fathers quickly focused on providing by working long hours and out of the home, while the mothers took a fair share to preside over the family, making most of the day-to-day decisions, as numerous studies have shown us. And when TV came into the home, the family dynamic portrayed a father either as an imbecile or as a quiet, yes, dear man. The indoctrination occurred not just for men, but for women too. You know, and adding to this crisis is a legal system that holds the old patriarchal idea of the sole responsibility of fathers is to provide a financial support. And we have a system that is abnormally in favor of mothers at the expense of fathers and children. With a limited perspective, is it a wonder that parents and families have a misguided idea on the value of the father? I would say not. The good thing is that the proliferation of information available on the internet and the connectivity of cultures and people from around the world are here we're starting to see a shift in the value of fathers again. If you were born between somewhere between 1960 and the end of the 80s, you were part of a shrinking generation gap in terms of fathers. See, we are that generation that saw our children being born. We took part in parental leave, not just to give mama a break, 
was so that we could connect with our children and our wives. Now, 20 plus years into the new millennia, and men are more engaged at home than ever before. Resources to help men grasp a deeper understanding of manliness and masculinity in the form of men's work is no longer looked as a fringe idea, but a necessity for an everyday man. All this to say is we must battle daily. The old paradigm of masculinity, mate, the, mate, the patriarch, misogyny, etc. It's no longer a battle of feminism, feminism versus masculinity. It's a battle of the family and the marriage structure. And while everyone is created equal, is our duty as men to fight and stand for the family. When we do that, the women and partners in our lives, life will willingly and joyously stand with us. But before we can even get to that point, there's one other thing that we need to deal with and we need to deal with quickly. And the thought is we must overcome the father wound. The wound bestowed upon us by our fathers is either consciously or unconsciously. And our fathers were not perfect men and neither are we. As we've discussed, and we live in a time where there's no lack of information, there's just a lack of desire. So we must start to forgive our fathers, forgive our fathers for their trespasses as we forgive those who trespassed against us, as the saying says. And we can be that change model in ourselves. And then it can happen for our families and finally in our communities. We needn't go any further than that. Because as long as we take core of that core, take care of that core circle right in front of us, the immediate impact that soon branches off and helps other parts of the world. So how do we frame this new idea of the patriarch and fatherhood? Well, I'm going to call it a spiritual fatherhood. And I'm not saying this from a religious perspective, but from a, from more of a holistic perspective. So this is the new definition Spiritual fatherhood builds upon the three tenets of preside, provide, and protect by adding nurturing, caring, guiding, and loving. See, a spiritual father starts, with, starts us with knowing that we are fathered by something much greater than us. Some of us will call that God. Some of us will call it the thing itself. Whatever it is that we call it, we know that we are guided by something much greater than we, than we are. And we come to this reference point, we, and we now have a model for us to follow. I can already hear there's going to be some of you saying, yes, but following the God of the Old Testament is how we got to where we are today, with a vengeful and punishing God. And I suggest that we're missing a much larger picture of the Father, and that he has always been and always will be loving. Anyone can be fixated on one aspect of the story and totally forget the bigger picture. Think about that, and you think of your own father. And are you reminded of just of the, of the hard times that he was nurturing and growing and growing you, or are you focused on the overall picture that he brought forward? You know, that has been society, the problem that society has faced all along. We've taken portions of mythology and scripture and used it to gain leverage over others. See, a spiritual fatherhood calls for us to look deeper, to see broader, to understand more fully the challenges that we are faced with. And we do that providing a safer home for our families by guiding our children more closely, especially at first, and then giving them room to expand their experiences so they can learn and grow. You know, our children will learn best through example. So if we expect respect, if we want respect, then we need to give it. We want them to trust us. We must first trust them. Now, each of these are small steps, and it instills the heart of the father into our children and our families. 
So in the end, our children and our spouses are our greatest teachers, are they not? And as a spiritual father, we can use them to help guide us as we guide them to becoming better and better humans. So I want to leave you with six ways that we can express spiritual fatherhood today. The first is defend the defenseless. So it goes without saving, saying that our role as fathers doesn't stray too far from the protect, does it? Even the preside. And especially when it comes down to those who are defenseless, like our children, spouses, and others in our community. Number two, we need to challenge others. You know, grounded in who we are as men, we can accomplish, we can compassionately challenge others so they can accomplish more and push them in ourselves to be more than the man that we aspire to be. The third thing is we need to do the hard things. Our culture needs us to do the things that few will and most don't want to do. And that is how we raise a level to show up as husbands and fathers. It means having the hard conversations. That means having the deep conversations. It means making some decisions that your children may not agree with. We're there as leaders and as role models, not to be best friends. The other way that we can do this, a fourth way, is that we can invite other men to come along with us. You know, being involved in a brotherhood and surrounding ourselves with like-minded men gives us a foundational piece in expanding ourselves as fathers because it is in this environment that we get to share common struggles and successes as we seek guidance and wisdom from our brothers. The fifth way that we can express spiritual fatherhood is to be role models. You know, regardless of whether or not we had good role models, our fathers, forefathers, our duty is to be one for our family. We can do that by staying in integrity. If you had a father that wasn't a great model, role model, guess what? You just need to do everything that he didn't do. And you're already being a better role model. By modeling what a good man does, though, says and believes, we, be able to, we are able to impart that on our families. The sixth and final thing, the final way that we can express spiritual fatherhood is just being there. Now, we may not agree with the choices our children make, especially when they leave the home, but we can never remove ourselves from being their father. You know, as a father of an addict myself, I can say the hardest work I've done is being there for my son. Being there doesn't mean enabling it. It means giving him a place to call and feel loved. It is what I can do for him spiritually that makes a difference in him and in me. All of this, all of these six ways and many, many more needs to be applied with grace. A father might do everything right, and yet despite this, one of his children never relates to him as a spiritual father. Does that mean that we failed? No, it just means that ultimately everyone chooses their own path. And as fathers, we're there to provide our children and families with guidance, leadership, hope, and inspiration. Then the rest is up to them. So I just want to say, in the Awakened Man Training Academy, we unpack fatherhood by diving deep into our lives as sons and as fathers. We take on our father wounds, the beliefs that we have that have shaped our model of fatherhood and re-image a powerful version of fatherhood that works for us, our families, and our communities. This is an example of some of the work that we do here at The Awakened Man. Now, this work is open for all men, but only the only way that you are able to learn and, and, take, and take action is that you need to start your own hero's quest. See, it's a 90-day mentoring program that's going to raise the standard that you show up in every part of your life. This program is not something you, you join and then you can hide. You will be challenged. You will work harder on yourself in the next 90 days 
than you have in decades. And you will come out on the other side, other side, unrecognizable, because you will be living and acting in the highest vision of yourself. And to make everything easy for you, I'm going to put a link on this page so you and I can speak one-on-one. -on -one. We can see if we're a fit. Because you know, not all men are ready for a commitment. But I can tell you, those that do make a huge strides in their life. And if you're that kind of man that is ready to make a change, then I look forward to working with you in the Awaken Man program. Aho, my brothers. Thank you for listening to the Revolutionary Man podcast. Are you ready to own your destiny? To become more the man you are destined to be? Join the brotherhood that is the Awakened Man at theawakenedman.net and start forging a new destiny today.